So I have a fun story, an old story I want to share with you. It might be familiar, but it never gets old. Amen? It never gets old. So God created the world. Might already sound familiar. God created the world because he's all-powerful. And he created us in his image. He said, man, let's make man in our image. Let's breathe the breath of life into him. Let's actually create the world and give them dominion and reign over creation. Crazy position that God created perfection and put us in it. He said, man, I want to walk with you. I want you to name the animals. I want you to tend the garden right next to God. This beautiful situation where like God created perfection and wants to be with us. So we see since the beginning of time, God desires relationship with us. Amen? With humanity. And then something happened. And then it's, it's becoming more and more familiar story, which, is, which it should be, is we realize that Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve messed it up. They go, man, God created perfection, but we want to do the thing he told us not to do. We want to make our own choices and, and make our own pathway. And it looks like the Bible would say, let's see if it goes. The Bible would say this. Romans 5, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men. So we realize that that perfection that we broke that perfection with God, that relationship with God that now stems through all of humanity. And so that idea that we're good or that we can earn our way to God is, is false because we realize that we're bred into sinning. And we realize if we go to the next, we go to the next verse in this, in this journey through Romans, you might see there's a common theme here, is that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace. But for all have sinned and fall short. And so we realize, again, that we're all sinners. We're all sinners in this room. We all need Jesus. The world around us, we can see clearly these days. It's not surprising to go, man, we're, we need something outside of ourselves. We're broken, whether our political bent, whether our, you know, all the things that we can come to mind super fast. But we realize that if we're all sinners, we realize that sin deserves death that I deserve death. And this, is, and this is the story of humanity. This is the story of the Bible that we're called to embody and proclaim. This is the hard part. And the beauty is there's good news to this story. That's why the, the gospel is called good news. Because we realize we have to understand the bad news first, that we're all sinners and we're separate from God, even though we're created to be in relationship with Jesus. So it looks like this. There's a cavern that separates us from God, and it's our sin. There's no way for us to get across that cavern in and of ourselves. In and of ourselves, there's no way for us to get across. But yet, Jesus, here comes the good news, and again, it's familiar to us, and it should be. Romans 5, 8 says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, so the good news is God sent his son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for your sin and for my sin because he desires the Garden of Eden. He desires relationship with us. And he realizes that we're separate, that we're far away from God because of our sin, just like that picture. So God sent his best gift. He sent Jesus for us that we could be in relationship with him, amen? So God did the work. While, while, while we were still sinners, while we are still sinners, some of us, all of us, we're all sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died for us. 
And man, that's the good news, my friends. That's the good news that changes our life, that should change the world, that should change how we live. Another way, to, another way Peter says it, says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And by his wounds we are healed. Picture we're common with, we're familiar with is Jesus hanging on the cross. And I don't think, and I know this story is familiar and I don't think the story ever gets old. Because this is our banner, this is our mantra, this is the thing that our life is supposed to project to the world especially to those that are lost, is the gospel. And so I, I want to put that in front of us because we're going to come back to it in the end, but I, I have to share the gospel. It's just what God has been doing in me lately. I have to talk about it because it's the saving, because the gospel is the power of salvation. It's the power of salvation, amen? So Jesus came and hung on a tree. It's the good news for us. We now have a way to get away from our sin. So the Bible says, Romans chapter 10 it says, because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So many more scriptures that talk about, that Jesus talks about in the, in the math, chapter of Matthew that says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Same idea that we would turn from our sin and we would follow Jesus. So that is the good news for us. Is that there is hope, there is grace, there is love and there is mercy that we can receive if we choose to believe and then we'd say, Jesus, I confess you're Lord of my life. And that confession means a lot. And we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. And so if we do that, we realize Romans chapter 5, go to that one next. Love the book of Romans. It says, therefore, since we have been justified with, by faith, by that faith and confession of God, we have peace with God through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through what he did on the cross, we now have peace with God now and forever, that we're now reunited with God as in the Garden of Eden. So it looks like this. That same gap that sin had that we couldn't cross, we now can cross because of what Jesus did for us. So now our life, if we give our life to Jesus, we, we go to the other side of the cavern, it looks like 1 Corinthians chapter six, move too fast. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Holy Spirit now lives inside because you've invited him in. Whom you, are, whom you have from God. You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Amen. And so I love this scripture because it says you are not your own. You're bought with a price. So that confession of following Jesus, you realize that it's not Scott that lives anymore. It's Christ that lives in me. And that same, if I were to say every one of your names, that same thing would apply if you confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Amen? So that is, that, is our, that is our banner or our mantra of Christians, of Christianity. When the Bible says, when we're going to get to it, Matthew chapter 28 says, go into all the world and make disciples. Or Mark says, go into all the world and preach the gospel preach the story that I just shared with you. And so we're gonna reference it. So I wanted to make sure that we were again familiar with the gospel, with the good news. We realized that, man, Jesus came that we could know him, but yet humanity, a lot of humanity is separate from God. And it's our job to share that. It's our job to be on mission with Jesus, to share that story in how we live and how we love. And I'm gonna get preaching on, on that and I gotta keep going. 
Amen. So let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew, the scripture of the day, which is fortuitous. God is so good. God is so sovereign because the fact that Mike would ask me to preach this message is, is a miracle in some degree, I would say, because this is the message that God has really put on my heart. And so it's, it's easy in some sense for me to dwell on this scripture for the last couple of weeks and share what, God is say, what I feel like God is saying, but it also comes from inside of me. I feel, I feel like I've been living this scripture for the last year or so, um, and we'll get into that here in a little bit. So again, the scripture, let's read it again if you would. It says, Jesus calls the first disciples. So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them and immediately, again, same word, immediately they left their boats and their father and they followed him. So as we dive into this, I realize I'm not a teacher, but I'm more of a preacher. And so if Mike were to teach this, he would dig in deep. And today we're not going to dig in deep because a preacher tends to want to, how does this apply to me? And for me, I want to go, how does this apply to you? And so it's all, it's all of us. So when I say, how does it apply to you? I'm including myself. So just because you get to stand up here doesn't mean it excludes me. It means I would put myself in, in front of the whole thing. It definitely applies to me. But I realized as, we, as I read this over and over and over again this week, I came up with a few questions that I thought you might ask. You go like, so is this, is this written for us? Is this written to me? Because sometimes we look at this verse and go, okay, it's, he's just calling his first disciples. Awesome, let's just move on. It's, is, it, is it historical? Is it just Jesus or Matthew giving context? And I, would, and I would say that it's quite a bit more than just context. And so then the next question would be, does it, how does it apply to me? Because he's, Jesus is talking to the disciples 2,000 years ago, talking about fishermen. How does this apply to me? Is this about fish? Is this something that we should just gloss over, or is there something, is the last one it says, but is it something that represents the heart and soul of Christianity that Jesus is showing in the beginning of his ministry? Because he just got baptized, just got tempted, and then he, he says, the first thing he said before this, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's got, he's got my attention. He's got our attention. And so I would say there's a few things that, we, that I want us to focus on this morning, you know, as he went there, he says, he says some wild things, you know, because if I were to put myself in that situation, let's say I go back four or five years, I'm a contractor here in town, and Jesus were to come up to me and go, hey, follow me, and I'll make you a fisher of men. I'll make you a builder for Jesus. What would I do? How would that apply to my life? Or the other one, if we go down a little bit farther to the other brothers, he says, and he called them, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And we realize there's, there is some wild historical context there that we need to understand as well that I think Mike would appreciate if he were here. <laughs> so if we look at it this morning, I would say, 
I think this is pretty special what Jesus shows us, what he says here, what Matthew wants to show us, that it's more than just historical, but it's something that applies to all of us. And I'm going to prove that here as we go through the scripture. And so I want to say, as we look through, as I realized, as I looked into their story, I'm like, man, what would be really helpful is to go, if this applies to me, how does the story end? What does it look like for these disciples as they journey with Jesus? Is it just a moment in time that Jesus calls them awesome, Jesus calls us awesome, let's keep going? Or is it significant? So I go, man, let's, so I went through Matthew and found a couple places that are significant to us. I go, oh man, maybe that beginning is actually really significant. Because I find the end, the end is really significant. So if we were, let's open your Bibles with me. Most of you are probably there, Matthew. If we were to skim just through the headings of the Bible, of what Matthew does. I love Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This will be super fun for us. If we were to just skin, skim, so he calls his disciples to follow him, to be disciples, to look like Jesus, to talk like Jesus, to do the things that he does. What does he do? First thing he does is he heals a lot of people. And then, he's, and then there's a Sermon on the Mount, and Mike's going to get into all this, so I'm not going to steal his thunder or really get into it, but I just want us to read the headings. We go, okay, so Jesus is calling disciples, people to follow him, and then he, what does he do? What does he do with these people? So he preaches on the Beatitudes, pretty, pretty familiar, calls the disciples to be light of the earth, salt of the earth. Says that Christ comes to fulfill the law. If we went back to that Matthew chapter four, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so I would say as he's showing his disciples saying the kingdom of heaven is here and I'm gonna teach you about it, I'm gonna show you what it is. And so he gets into what is anger in the kingdom of heaven look like? What does lust, what does divorce, oaths, what does retaliation look like? What is loving your enemies, giving to the needy, the Lord's prayer, how to pray? What does fasting look like? What does the treasure in heaven look like? Tells us not to be anxious, tell us not to judge others. So if we were to keep going all the way to Matthew chapter 10, you see Jesus paints a picture of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And I would say he's painting a picture to them of going, this is what it looks like because you're my disciples. This is what it looks like for you to follow me because you now represent the kingdom of heaven. Because if Jesus comes and says the kingdom of heaven is at hand and now our job is to look like Jesus as his disciples, that's what disciple means, is that we look like the person that we're following. And so our call is to look like, their call is to look like Jesus and I would say that's our call as well. So he paints the picture for them. So we land in Matthew chapter 10, and it says this. So we see that their disciples are following Jesus. So Jesus changes it up on them. He says, and he called his 12 disciples and gave them authority over every, clean, every unclean spirit to cast them out, to heal every disease and every affliction. And then he sends them out. So these 12 disciples are sent out. Jesus instructs them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel and proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, same thing Jesus said, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the leopards, casting out demons. You receive without paying, go without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals for your staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And so there's a lot of wildness in there that we could get into. But I just want us to, to get kind of a, a backseat perspective of this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. And there's a lot of things in there that would challenge even maybe our Christian worldview. 
of the spirit of healings, of casting out demons. And I think one of the things that I would say if I were to put in a, a little side note there is, is for, for us, God has really expanded our picture of this traveling the world, spending time in Cambodia, Nepal, even Brazil for a little bit. We realized that things were not as they seemed when we were here. And so my hope in saying that is not to be, not to be weird and wild, but is to, go, is to testify that, man, our, our world, that's why we hang this book over our head and go, man, my worldview needs to be what the Bible says. As weird as it may seem, I want to align my life with this. And so we look at the disciples and Jesus says, go out and do these things. And so I go, man, is that what we're supposed to look like? Are we supposed to do those same things? And so we were to, we were conti- if we were to continue to go through, we would see what it looks like. Matthew does a really good job of telling us what it looks like to follow Jesus. Stories of the disciples, stories of Jesus. But I want us to get to the end, to go to Matthew chapter 28. Again, familiar scripture to us all. So I love that it's familiar to us. So it's the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. So it's the end. So it's the end for Jesus, in a sense. The end of him on his time on earth. So last time he's going to communicate with his disciples... It's a pretty important time for him, which I'd say the beginning is just as important as well. But here's what he says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. Interesting point. Same place that he called the original disciples in Galilee. thought that was fun. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, expanding, expanding their horizon. Now, before it was just the Jews, and now it's of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the ends of the earth. And we go, man, that's a wild invitation that Jesus gives. He gives them authority again, because he gave them authority the first time, in Matthew chapter 10, he gives them authority again and says, go to all the world now. Before it was just the Jews, and now it's the, now it's the Samaritans, the Gentiles. It's everybody. Go into all the world and share the gospel. So we were to go into Mark just to expand our perspective of what did Jesus say. I want to just get more, more oomph behind that train. Mark 16. Put it up there for you before I forget. Mark 16. And he said to them, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. A lot of wildness in that chapter that we got to wrestle with. John 20, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And as he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So like I said in the beginning, there's a lot of wildness here. But I want to go back to Matthew chapter 10. So if you want to go back, or Matthew chapter 4, if you want to go back with me. My hope is that seeing, seeing their journey, 
will give us a little more perspective of the significance of what Jesus says in the beginning. Because Jesus knows their journey. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Because he's still all-knowing, still 100% God, 100% man. And so if we, were to, if we were to pull these apart a little bit and go, and go now, we realize that he's speaking for us, that we are called to be disciples of Jesus. So we can take that same calling that Jesus calls them to. So he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So there's a call for all of us this morning to follow Jesus. And a lot of you are like, well, I follow Jesus. And that's yes and amen. But some might not. Some people watching from home might not. And that is, that call never gets old. It never gets old and you'll see why here in a minute. So there's a call, but the, the wildness for me in this whole scripture is Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Why does he say that? He doesn't say it to the, the next guys, the next brothers. He says, I will make you fishers of men. And I would say that Jesus is changing their identity. He's changing who they are. And if we were to go back to what does it look like to be a disciple? What does it look like to follow Jesus? What does the gospel say? If I believe God raised Jesus from the dead, that he's now Lord of my life, and that scripture in 1 Corinthians we read, it says, God lives in me, so now he's going to live through me. That I've been bought with a price that I no longer live, but he lives in me. So my identity has changed from a slave of sin to a slave of righteousness. And not just a slave to righteousness, I would say we're all called to be fishermen. And, and the question is, is this about fish? Last, is this about fish? And I would say no. I mean, he is a fisherman, so he's going, you're a fisherman, you fish, and you gathered up the fish, and now you're going to gather people. And it's a beautiful picture, church, because that's our job. As I say, we're called to be fishermen because we're called to gather people. If we were to go to 2 Corinthians, it says that we're called to be messengers of reconciliation or ambassadors of the gospel, ambassadors of Jesus. Big Christian words we use. Ambassador means that I'm called to represent Jesus everywhere I go. Everywhere we go, we represent God. Represent the saving work of Jesus. Hope of the world, light of the world, that's us. And then my ministry, our ministry, is to bring people back to God. Reconciliation, to reconcile, to bring back. Because we realize in the beginning of the gospel, in the beginning of the story, that's God's plan that we would be in relationship with him, amen? That's his plan for you, that's his plan for me, and then that's our story. So like the disciples, that's our mandate from Jesus, that's your mandate from Jesus, is to proclaim and share and say and preach the gospel to the whole world. And again, that doesn't discount what God has called you to do, so you guys have been called to be here, I've been called to be in South Africa, but the same mantle of responsibility applies. So no, I don't think it's about fish. I don't think it's about fish. But I think we're all called to be fishermen. Because we're all called to gather people back to Jesus. So if we kept going, we would see their response. And he uses the word immediately twice in this, but we'll just look at the first one with Peter. It says immediately they left their nets. So their response... Were, doesn't matter if we can get into the, to all the other gospels and how the story of the picture is full. It says immediately they left their nets. And so we would ask the Holy Spirit, go, how does that apply to us? That's their response. What's my response? To the story of God, to the call of God in all of our lives to follow Jesus, 
to live out the gospel, to be ministers of reconciliation. Again, big words. But it's our job to fish for people. It's your job to fish for people. Because I don't remember, I don't remember as Travis told this picture. He used to pastor here, if you don't remember, if you weren't here. And he talked about that we, we as Christians are beggars that have found the source of eternal food, eternal bread. And the world outside that doesn't know Jesus are beggars as well. And our job is to go, look, I found the source of life, an ultimate bread. Can I show him to you? Can I tell him about you? Can I tell you about him? I got that backwards. And that's our job. Amen? And so we were to examine the other brothers down below, because why does he repeat it again? Why does he say similar things? So, so Jesus called them. So again, for, for repetition, for even for us, for repetition, so we don't miss it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want you guys to miss it. So we're going to go over it again just with the different, different people. He says, and he called them. He says, is Jesus calling you? Is he calling you this morning? And I would say yes. I would say this message, this scripture with me preaching it is not a coincidence. It's not a fluke. I would say Jesus is calling you this morning. You're going to get the call at the end if it's not clear already. I'm going to make it very clear of what I feel like God wants to say and invite you into. And I want to challenge us with the response because I would say Jesus calls us and Jesus speaks to us daily. And how do we respond because we're called to an intimate relationship with Jesus, with the God of the universe, what does it look like on a daily basis? Because Jesus speaks to them and goes, hey, I want you to go out, I want you to do this. Did they do it? And they said immediately they followed Jesus. What is our response as we journey with Jesus? Do you go, no, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, that's, I don't want to tell people about you because I'm afraid. I don't want to get out of the boat because I'm afraid. I'm afraid what people will think. God, I don't, want to, I don't want to give my money away because I'm afraid that you won't provide for me. What comes up in your heart? Again, turning a little bit into the preacher because I, I want to chase your heart and your relationship with God. And so what do we see? We see they left their boat and their father and they followed him, which is significant because they left everything behind. Because if Jesus, in the Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, if you're not willing to forsake Father, mother, son, or daughter, for me, for Jesus, you're not worthy to be called my disciple. And so there's a picture painted here that, that they left their father, they left their history, their family, their, all they've known is, is their identity of who they are as fishermen to follow Jesus. So again, their identity is being changed, as Matthew would say, by leaving, leaving everything behind to follow Jesus. And I think we never... We never outgrow that reminder as Christians because the world, the world is rushing at us every day to gather more things, to do your own thing. What makes you happy? Choose your own gender, for crying out loud. And again, I don't mean to poke the political bear, but maybe I do, I don't know. And the beauty is we find ourselves underneath the authority of God's word. And we go, what, what do we choose? He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reject everything and follow Jesus. And Jesus has thoughts about that, that we, don't, that we don't get to question. We say, yes, Jesus, you're the king. And so the challenge for us, as the same challenge for them, is will you leave everything to follow Jesus? And don't, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not giving you a context of what that looks like, because it's a heart posture. 
If God were to call you to leave everything and move somewhere else or do something else, what would you say? And that's kind of our story. God called us to leave in 2017. He called us to, we were in Cambodia at the time, and God called us to leave everything. Will you close your business, which we were doing really well, sell your house and become a missionary full time? Which we didn't know that at the time, but said, will you sell and will you leave? Will you follow me? And really, the invitation wasn't about the destination. It was about, Jesus, are you king? Am I willing to give up everything like Jesus did? Give up perfection with God to come to earth to die for us? Am I willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? And so I would extend the invitation because it's for us. Are you willing to give up everything to follow Jesus? And again, I don't know what that looks like for you. That's between you and Jesus. But I would want it to place the weight of that invitation upon us because it's there every day, because we get to choose to follow Jesus every day. It's not a one-time choice. And the scripture I would use for that is Jesus says, so would you pick up your cross? Would you deny yourself and follow me daily? Would you as a Christian, as a Jesus lover, choose Jesus every day, choose his kingdom every day, to be light of the world, to be a salt of the earth, to proclaim and live the gospel everywhere you go? So some of these things kind of look like this. When I say yes to Jesus, I realize persecution will come. I realize, especially this day and age, especially in America right now, just because we're in America, so I'm going to say that. If we say, man, I believe Jesus says this, the Bible says this, and that is my stance. You're going to get heat. You're going to get flack. You're going to get persecuted because it's wild. We're, We're okay with persecution for our political worldview, But are we okay for persecution for our biblical worldview, for our relationship with Jesus? The Bible would invite us to have no fear because Jesus is king. Jesus is in charge. He's in charge of my life because he's Lord. Jesus also says he comes to not bring peace but to bring a sword, which will happen in our life if we follow the Bible and if we live. If we say, I'm going to follow Jesus at all costs. But there is reward for our obedience, for following Jesus faithfully till the end. And he promises that. Was it John 14? Says he goes to prepare a place for us. And if he goes to prepare a place for us, he's going to come back for us. That we could dwell with him forever. Amen? So there is a reward as well. Suffering, pain, yes, but reward. So now what? You might ask me, now what? What do I want to say? What do we want to do with this? So what about you? What about me? How does this apply to us? Where do we want to take this outside of the church, into my life, into my daily living? A few questions. Have you been called? Can you land in a place this morning where you go, I've been called by Jesus to be a disciple? Because I would say, if you're listening to me, if you say, yes, I'm a Christian, then yes, you're called to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're called to be a disciple, you're called to look like Jesus. And as we've read in the Bible this morning, we know what that looks like now. We see how Jesus lived. We see how he called the disciples to live. So that same mandate, that same invitation is for you and is for me. We can't get out of that. It's not a suggestion. It's not, please, would you do this? This is what it looks like to follow Jesus, period, I would say. So the next question is, are you walking in that new identity? If you've said yes to Jesus, you've said yes to being a disciple, Are you walking in that new identity that Jesus calls you into? 
to die to yourself and follow Jesus. Die to yourself and to carry your cross of shame and humiliation and pain and to follow Jesus. Or what is more common we find is are you running in the wide road? Because Jesus shows this picture of oftentimes he says there's a wide road that leads to destruction and most people find it. But he says to follow Jesus is the narrow road and few people find it that leads to life. And I would say oftentimes in the church today, we find people going to church with a Christian shirt on, but then when they step outside the church, they're wearing a Christian shirt, but they're living like the world. They're going, I'm a disciple of Jesus because I have this shirt on. But do they look like Jesus? Do they smell like Jesus? Do they taste like Jesus? And that's our question. That's my invitation to you, my challenge to you this morning. Is are you walking in the identity of a disciple of Jesus? Are you willing to sell everything and follow Jesus? Are you willing to die to yourself and follow Jesus? Because if there's hesitation there, then we've got work to do with Jesus. We've got to wonder, do I really want to follow God or do I like the salvation story? Do I like the comfort of community of church? Next question I could ask you is, are you seeing fruit of God in you? If you're going, yeah, I want to be a disciple. I got an opportunity to share at a high school in South Africa. We got an invitation for a whole week to share the gospel for seven minutes every day. They had like announcements and whatnot. And so they said, will you come in as a ministry? So one day, it was a Thursday, I got to come in and preach for seven minutes, preach the gospel to 200 high school kids. And I want to give you the same invitation I gave them as I asked them, can you prove your faith in Jesus? Can I prove my faith in Jesus? It goes to me too. And I realize it's a tough question, but I think Jesus would ask us the same question. Can we prove our relationship with God? Because if we go to John 15, he says, if I'm abiding with God, I should bear good fruit. If you're abiding with Jesus, you should bear good fruit. Disciples should bear good fruit. And as we look through Matthew again, we see what that fruit could, could look like. Seeing people give their lives to Jesus, making disciples, casting out demons, healing the sick, loving people radically, loving the poor, caring for orphans and widows. I mean, we could go on and on about what, it, what good fruit of the kingdom of heaven would look like. Because we realize that we embody the kingdom of heaven to the world. So we should look like Jesus, you. If you say Jesus is your king, if you're his disciple, you should look like Jesus. And all those things that I just mentioned are what Jesus did. So again, I want to ask you, are you seeing fruit of God living in you? And only you and God can answer that, or your close friends. But I think as disciples, we would be willing to go, please look at my life do you see fruit in me? I would say that's what discipleship looks like. I would say that's a lot of what the church is supposed to be, one of the things the church is supposed to be. Because we're all on the same team. We're all going, man, we're going this direction. We're all on the same football team. And if you're slacking, if you're skipping practice, I'm going to be upset at you as your teammate because your life affects my life. And I would say Christianity is the same way. We can't afford people on the team to not be doing their job. Which that could be hard to hear, that could be easy to hear, you might agree with me, you might not, but I would say that's what Jesus shows us in this book. 
We're supposed to look totally radically different. So here's what I promised you. What I promised you, Linda, if you want to come up, wherever you are, or, or Joe and Missy, whoever, I love it, is I have some invitations. I'm hoping to encapsulate everybody in the room in one of these things, and this is between you and Jesus, or everybody sitting at home watching, as I believe there are invitations this morning for all of us. Not one of us will be excluded from this. So just let me pray. Jesus, I just pray that you would be, that you are with us. Holy Spirit, you would soften our hearts to what you want to say to us this morning, the challenge you want us to hear, the conviction you want us to receive that we would embody and proclaim the life-giving fullness of the gospel to those around us as a church, as Christians, as disciples. God, would you speak to us of what you're calling us to this morning? Amen. So the first, the first call is I want to give an opportunity if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time. I think most of you are in church and you're like, oh, I've done that. But I've hope, I have hoped to paint a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus looks like the scriptures we read. That I give my life to Jesus to where it's not about me anymore. The gospel is not about you and it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And so have, I give, have you given your life to Jesus to where you're not king anymore? And only you and God can answer that question of are you king of your life or is he? And I would be remiss as a preacher, as a lover of Jesus, to leave without going, is there anybody here or at home to go, I need to give my life to Jesus? Because this isn't a club where we just come on Sunday morning. This is, a, this is life, life to the fullness. This is joy to the fullness. This is how we live every day that we would live drastically different. And so the invitation is if there's anybody in the room that wants to give their life to Jesus fully, wholeheartedly for the first time, or you're like, man, I thought I kind of did it, but I didn't really, from what you heard today, I want to give you the invitation. So if, you, if that's you, would you please stand and be bold and proclaim Jesus as your king? And I'll wait for a little bit. Allow Holy Spirit to speak to us. Is there anybody that wants to declare Jesus as king for the first time? Because it's so easy for us to be, to think we're Christians and rule our own life. A couple more seconds. All right, amen. So the next group of people is for those who go, man, Scott, you shared this gospel and I don't see a lot of those things in my life. I've said yes to Jesus a while ago or a long time ago for some of us, but I feel like I've slipped into the wide road of easy Christian living where Jesus isn't king anymore. And so my invitation for you is do you want to get back on the narrow road with Jesus that leads to life? Do you see fruit of the gospel in your life like the disciples? And so I would challenge you to not worry about what people think around you, going, oh, I've gone to this church for a long time and I want to recommit. This is between you and God, because at the end of your day, the end of your life, it's you and Jesus. It's nobody else. This would be your first declaration of one of many to stand up and go, Jesus, it's all about you. There's no shame in this moment. It's I want to follow Jesus. I realize I've slipped because the world rushes at a, like a wild river against my life and it's easy to be pushed to look like the river, to look like the world. So again, is there anybody this morning that wants to recommit their life 
as Jesus says, wants to repent and give their life to Jesus. Acts, Peter would say in the end of his, his beginning of his ministry, he said, repent and be baptized and be full of the Holy Spirit. So is there anybody this morning that wants to repent, that wants to stand? Would you stand this morning and go, I realize I've lived wrongly with God. Yet calling myself a Christian, I want to live for him fully this morning. If there's anybody that wants to commit and declare that this morning, would you stand right now? seconds again this is business with you and God what that tension may feel like is your heart's beating really fast that might be God calling you up God speaking to your life because this decision affects you today tomorrow and for all of eternity because you can't fake following Jesus because when we get to the end God's going to judge our works and they're going to burn up or they're going to be beautiful gold that we're going to lay at his feet, beautiful crowns we're going to lay at his feet. So last minute, is there anybody else? Thank you guys. You guys, please stay standing. Please stay standing. Is there anybody else who goes, man, I want to follow Jesus. I've slipped away. I want to commit to following God. Anybody else? Okay, you guys, stay standing. I just want to pray for you. You guys will bow your heads. We're just going to pray for them. So thank you, God, that you were real and you were alive and that you want to speak to us. Thank you for my friends here that have said, I want to commit to following Jesus, that I've slipped away, that I haven't allowed you and, and made you my king, or I have and then I slipped away. God, I just pray for them right now. In Jesus' name, you would meet them, you would fill them with your presence. God, that this would be a life-changing moment for them. God, that you would touch them with your love. They would feel your love. God, as your conviction comes and you're calling them, to live for you, God, that you would touch them with your love. They would be full of your love. God, I pray that you would speak to them. What does it look like today and tomorrow to follow Jesus? What does it look like to be a disciple of God, to be a disciple of Jesus? Father, I pray that you would bless them. Thank you, God, for their declaration. Amen. So if I could challenge you guys, will you guys get connected with some of the elders in the back of the room and just share with them what you felt like God had said. Share with you why you stood. Is that okay? Amen. And the elders know who you are. So the last people, sorry I'm going over a little bit. 30 minutes was a tough challenge for me. So the last one would be hopefully for the rest of you. Should be for the rest of you or else there's a fourth group but I'm not gonna go there today. So the last one is... We realize as Christians, if we're on the same team, oftentimes we need to stand in solidarity and go, this is the mission of God. We're on the same team, just like Ernie would do with his football guys. He'd gather them together and he'd go, let's get after the game. Let's do this. Let's do this. You do that. And then he rouses them up and reminds them of the end goal of the game, right? Whether you're down by six, whether you're winning by six. He's going to say, this is what it looks like. This is what I want you to do. Now let's win the game. And so this call is for the rest of you that go, I love Jesus, and you're on mission with Jesus, and that we would stand in solidarity and go, we want to follow Jesus, and we want to be on mission together, because that's our calling, is to do it together, to be the bride, to be the body of Christ, that we would actually find encouragement, 
They're going, oh, you're following Jesus. You're following Jesus. So I can call you to the mission of God because we're on the same team. I can ask you, is there, is there godly fruit in your life? Because we're on the same team. And I don't even need to be defensive because we're all following Jesus. Because I'm a disciple and you're a disciple. Does that make sense? So if that's you, if you're like, I'm on the team and I'm a disciple and I want to follow Jesus, would you stand this morning? Thank you, Marlene, for your enthusiasm. I love it. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us because I would stand. I've been standing, but I would stand with you as well. So Jesus, this morning, we stand in declaration that we want to be your disciples. God, we want to see the world change. We realize that it's our job to help people go from slaves to sin to slaves to righteousness. So God, this morning, we stand again in declaration that you are our king that again, as we did before, that your Bible is our authority on how to live for life and godliness. And so God, we just invite you this morning, would you teach us, would you train us for life and godliness? What does it look like for us personally in Prineville as First Baptist Church to be disciples of Jesus, for us to preach the gospel, to tell people about you, to live the gospel and how we love and how we act and how we treat people? God, this morning, we declare we want to look like Jesus. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit, because that's what you said in 1 Corinthians, that now you live inside of us, and we want to bear God fruit. We want to see the church full, not because of numbers, but because we are bringing reconciliation to humanity and God. So Jesus, we stand in solidarity. It's Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would bring unity to this church. You would bring unity to all of those that are standing because we serve the same God, the same baptism, the same Lord, the same Jesus that rose from the dead, we are saying you are our king. So God, this morning again, we profess you're our king, you're our savior, and we want to live every moment of every day for your kingdom, because it's not about me, it's about you. So all of God's people said, amen.